as a second career, I don't want to say you don't have a lot of time, but you really do want to be intentional about the decisions that you make. everyone. Welcome to Where Accountants Go, the Accounting Careers Podcast. I'm Mark Goldman, a CPA and your host for the show. Well, for this week's episode, we have another second career accountant, meaning someone that had a different career initially and then decided to point their career in the direction of accounting. Today, we have Michelle Garrison in Houston joining us, and she has an incredibly interesting story. Michelle started out in electrical engineering and even had her own electrical contracting firm for several years. But over time, she realized that she enjoyed the business side of things and wanted to help others get through some of the challenges she had had to maneuver in her own business. So she decided to pursue her master's in accounting and now is the CFO for a healthcare organization. She's had quite the career. If you're considering accounting as a career later in life, or for any reason think it may be difficult because you started elsewhere, you really need to hear Michelle's story. It's quite an inspiring tale. And if you do enjoy and learn something, of course, from this episode, please share your thoughts on the show with a friend, or if you're a student, maybe even a professor, the more people that know about our guest interviews, the more of a difference we can make with this podcast. And as always, I know I say this a lot, but if there's anything that I can do for you in your own career or for accounting organizations that you're involved in, please reach out to me as well. I'm happy to help in any way that I can. Well, with that, let's go ahead and get started. You're really going to enjoy this interview. Here's Michelle Garrison. Well, hello, Michelle. Welcome to the show. Hi, Mark. Thank you for the invite. It's so good to be here. Oh, you're very welcome. Very welcome. Well, for the audience, today we have a unique guest joining us for the program. Michelle Garrison in the Houston area is joining us today, and I invited her on the show for a few very specific reasons. Michelle started her career in a different field, actually, in engineering. And along the way, she was the owner of an electrical contracting company, and now she's the CFO for a medical organization. Her background definitely fits into our second career accountant series, but then it also really piqued my interest that she was self-employed in that field for a while as well. So this will be very interesting for all of us. Well, Michelle, (laughs) before we get to the present time, let's make sure we cover your overall journey And before we get to your accounting background, I want to make sure we cover that early career. So tell us about your first career choice in the early years. Sure. So I had graduated from Georgia Tech from Atlanta, Atlanta, Georgia. And so electrical engineering was a passion of mine. I decided when I was 10th grade high school that I was going to be an electrical engineer. And I was very intentional about college. So I graduated from Tech And um, the interesting thing at Tech at that time, we were on the quarter system, and your senior year, in your second quarter, there were four quarters, you had to start interviewing. And so I started interviewing with so many different companies because they bring the companies in. And this particular company, it was an electrical construction company, one of the largest companies, electrical construction companies in the Southeast area. I had interviewed with them and some other folks, and I liked the fact that they were in Atlanta because that was one of my boxes to check, was that I did not want to leave Atlanta. (laughs) And so ended up doing three interviews with them, and they offered me a position as a project manager. 
an electrical engineering manager and I took the job and had no idea what construction was about at that time. You know, you understand construction is about building and all of that, but didn't understand exactly what they did, but was just, again, it was one of the key things was that I stayed in Atlanta. So I chose it and I did not regret it. Loved, loved, loved my job. I was responsible for the electrical construction for commercial projects and had so much experience and exposure with not only understanding how the plans came about for a construction project, but also the impact the electrical systems played. We were on the project from the beginning to the end. And to be able to drive around today in Atlanta when I'm home and say, oh, I worked on that project and I worked on that project is amazing. And to see something from birth, I call it from the foundation and see that it's still standing today is just, it's an amazing reward. So that's how I started my career in construction. Worked there for three years. And one of my main clients was Bell South Mobility. Today, we know them as AT&T, but it was the cellular side. And so we were building cellular sites and mobility sites across the country. And they were one of my clients at the time, and they presented an opportunity for me to serve as a... Um, they, well, they talked about an opportunity where they needed minority participation on up-and-coming project they had in Atlanta And so I talked to my supervisor about it, and we both agreed, and they agreed to help me start my own business. And so in 99, I set up, I formed a company, G&G Electrical Construction, and started my first project. And the company that I worked for at the time, England and Stubb, they became my partner, and we partnered on that project. And from there, four years later, we were still partners on several projects with the airport, with CDC, and it just had a fun ride the years that I partnered with them. They were not only my construction project partner, but they were also a partner in the business. And then four years later, I did buy them out and became 100% owner of the company. Uh, continued to get all of my certifications because that was important to be able to have opportunities. So I was minority certified, woman-owned business, disadvantaged business, local certified business. I had all, you check all the boxes, I had them. And so that just provided me the avenue to be able to have a seat at several tables and and opportunities at large-scale projects. And so that's how that got started. Wow. (laughs) My gosh. One of the interesting things about your story, to me at least, is I've had other people studied engineering, Mm -hmm. but halfway through decided they didn't want that much in terms of numbers. So that was a little too much for them. And they decided to go into accounting, you know, but you, Interesting. you stayed through with it all the way. And, and oh, yeah. You, know, you were, and, and I guess are. <laughs> yes. Still an yes. Look at it. Exactly. The fact that you had your own company as well, that's just amazing. I mean, I'm curious, have you always been the type of person to recognize opportunity when it comes your way like that and seize the moment? Because it sounds like that's definitely what happened there with you know, the minority contractor opportunity and, and jumping on that. No, you know, what's interesting is I do, a, I spend a lot of time thinking and seeing myself in certain situations. And so I actually can have a vision of where I want to be. Once I've done that, I get very intentional about the decisions that I make. 
And so really, when the opportunity to start the company came about, I really wasn't looking for that and was almost afraid and challenged by it. Like, oh my gosh, I'm going to leave my job and start this company. But knowing that I had the partnership of my supervisor and we had already been working with other minority firms. So it wasn't that I didn't have any exposure in that area, but I just thought it was safe. And I didn't see it too far different from what I was already doing because the way that they set up their business is each project manager was really, you had a portfolio of business. So you had your clients, you had your projects, you had to manage your budget, you had to make sure you had the proper resources in the field to manage this construction project. You represented the owner. I mean, they trained us to be this entrepreneur, right? So I had already had that experience and exposure. So it didn't seem like it was too far from what I was doing. I just was no longer be an employee. And so once I got my feet wet, the four years as they were my partner, I started to realize in the marketplace that folks didn't really see me as my own business. As a business owner, they just saw that I was England and Stubb's partner. And Mm -hmm. so I realized if I was going to continue with the business and continue to represent as a minority-owned firm and capable of doing the job and having that be, and by the way, a minority-owned and not necessarily I had to lead with that, I really had to establish some independence. And so that was the reason for the opportunity to be a 100% owner after the four years. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, how did it proceed from there after you you bought out the partner company and moved forward managing the whole thing on your own? (laughs) Yeah. So that became a real challenge because at that point, it was no longer safe. I wasn't in the safe zone. And so I had to make a decision around the business strategy. So at that time, I was more just project manager, providing construction management services. I didn't really have my own electricians, right? And so I had to make a decision around that. And then there was this decision whether I was going to go union or stay open shop. And so I had to make all these decisions. So what I decided to do was join independent electrical contractors because that was a way for me to get electricians. Because again, I'm trying to establish this independence and establish that I can compete in the area of electrical construction. And so I started hiring all these electricians, and then I was very involved at the independent electrical contractors. I served on the board, and just networking has always been important for me because I learn a lot that, you know, you just can't learn in the classroom, and you start building this network of folks that you can provide resources to them and them to you. And so I learned a lot from the other board members. And actually had two mentors that I could ask questions about or ask questions to and just help me along the way. And so that has really been a key strategy of mine is just networking and finding those folks that I can be assistance to and that can also assist me where it becomes a win-win. And that's how I just started being able to learn more of being a full-fledged 
electrical construction business as some of the requirements to be certified changed. And so I had to stay on top of that with my business strategy. So I started hiring project managers where I was at everything because I was everything for the business. I was sales and marketing. I was business Mm -hmm. development. I was the CFO. I was operations. I was all of those things. And so I started to feel the seats on my bus and uh, started backfilling. So having project managers that could do the work and then hiring people to assist me with bookkeeping and sales and marketing. And so I started learning the importance of being working on the business from the 50,000 foot level versus in the business where I'm doing everything. And I really can't have an impact on growth because I was too far in the weeds. And so all of that learning came from networking, training, signing up for courses and webinars and seminars and all those things. I just started learning how to do business instead of just the technical aspect of construction. Mm-hmm. So at what point did you, I guess, get interested in accounting and finance or how did your career start to head that direction? So again, these these uh, seminars I used to attend around how to be better in, in your business and There were a few that I had signed up for around understanding your finances. And there was probably after three or four, I realized that I was doing it wrong. I never looked at the economics of of our business. We had enough money to pay our bills. You know, I had enough money to take care of payroll. And so I really wasn't looking at my business from a financial perspective. I had a CPA that did my tax returns. I had financials every single month, but I would take them and file them away in a notebook and get ready for recertification because I had to have them for recertification. So I really didn't use them as a tool to help grow my business. I was looking at all the other aspects And then after attending this one particular seminar, the CPA put on, and he just talked about what your accountant should be doing for you. And I was like, I'm not getting that. And it was a total disservice. I didn't even know what to ask for. My accountant was was performing the scope of services that we had agreed upon. But there was that extra level of being like a financial advisor that I realized I was missing. And by this time, I had been in business for probably eight years. And I was like, man, this is what entrepreneurs miss. They miss having this advisor that can help them understand the economics of their business, help them project out. We understand the vision from, oh, I want my company to be one size to the other, but then putting the financials together around those projections and forecasts to be able to make sure that you're leaning toward that direction and in in the right time so that you can change behavior if you're about to miss the target. And so that part was missing. And I said, that is my exit strategy. I want to be able to be, I can take all of my business experience and exposure and connect it with my financial know-how and help bridge that gap for entrepreneurs who understand the, the technical side of their business but don't know how to apply the financial information and data that they're getting to be able to make sure that they're moving in the direction that they want the business to move to. Okay. Did you... Yep. Go get additional education in some way? or I did. 
I did. Okay. I my husband was working for a medical firm, and this this lady I met, she was in their billing department, and she was like, you know, you can, because I decided I was going to go get my master's, and I said, I'm going to go get my master's in project management because I'm a great project manager and all these things, and I told her about my idea about the being a financial advisor. And she said, why wouldn't you go get your master's in accounting? I'm like, hmm, there's a thought. And um, <laughs> I started researching and looking at, you know, being a CPA and what that journey would look like and how much time. And so by 2009, the construction market had just changed. And so the residential market had gone down. And so there were a lot of residential contractors that were diluting commercial construction. And it was just not fun anymore. It was not fun. So I decided to go back to school and get my master's in accounting and financial management on the CPA track. And it took me two years to do. But by 2012, I graduated. And when I started school, my husband took a job in Houston, Texas here, and he was commuting back and forth every weekend. And so by the time I graduated from school, I was still doing projects, but I had signed up for my last project in 2011. By the time I graduated, that project was dying down and we decided to move uh, move the children and myself to Houston, Texas. And so that's what we did. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. How did you get your first opportunity in accounting? Outside so, again, of you doing it in your own company. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know what was so strange? Once I graduated, I was like, now, what, what do I do? Where do I start? Because <laughs> I'm like, what is my resume going to look like? And really, that was a challenge. I knew I needed to connect with a, a recruiting firm so that I could put together my resume in a way where it wasn't intimidating, but it also spoke to I was willing to start somewhere and I wasn't looking for a executive role. I was looking to start because I only knew the accounting for my business, right? So I wanted to make sure that I took a step back so that I can get the fundamentals. That was my thought that signed up with a recruiter and went on a couple of interviews that just did not go well. And so again, like I said earlier, networking has always been a key strategy of mine. And so there was this event called Networking After Work was the name of it. And so it was here at a local place in Houston. And when I got there, depending on your industry that you're looking to network in, you put on name tags and they were color coded. And so I had on a green name tag um, with my name and just talking to people that had on green name tag, just talking to all kinds of people. I, I am a networker. And so met this guy. He's an accountant and he was working for oil and gas company and as a consultant and he needed some extra help. He was acting as their internal auditor and doing some things for them. And he said he needed some help and asked me and he heard my story and I told him about how I was trying to get started. And so he asked, if I wanted to help him. And so that's kind of was my first accounting gig, I would call it. And so I met him at the at the office and we talked and he said, you know what? I think you need to meet someone because he was consultant for a CFO outsourcing company. And so he wanted me to meet the sales and development president of that company because he thought maybe she could give me some ideas or she has a vast network in, in Houston, Texas. And so he was like, you know, you need to talk to her. Maybe she can help you with direction. And I said, oh, great. Um, and so that's kind of how I got started. That was my first job. Um, 
And just me, the challenge was trying to figure out where do I start. And so that kind of is how that happened. Okay. I remember in our pre-show conversation, you were talking about how your role really expanded with that, that outsourced CFO company. So before we get to what you do now, talk to us about your experience with the outsourcing company. Because I remember you ended up being involved in several different projects or, or a lot of different duties. <laughs> yeah. What's so beautiful about this opportunity was I did not realize my intention around being, you know, we talked about being a trusted financial advisor. I didn't realize that Strategic CFO, which was the name of the company, I didn't realize that's what they did. And so when I met the business development girl, she told me about Strategic CFO and we just hit it off right away. So then she wanted me to meet the president and owner of the company. And so I talked to him and he said, I don't really have a role for you, a place for you, but I want to keep you around. The Strategic CFO had three initiatives for their business. They targeted mid-market companies here in Houston, entrepreneur companies, so privately held, and they offer three services, retain search for a CFO or a controller. So if you were looking for a CFO or controller, the second was interim solution. So if you really didn't need a full-time CFO or controller, we did provide that a consultant for you. And then the third arm was coaching. And so if you had a CFO or a controller on board and they needed coaching on the soft skills of being a CFO and not so much technical skill, the accounting but just being more of advisor, and so not necessarily reporting the news, but using the news to help strategy and help drive business growth, the coaching class was all about that. So he put me in the coaching class. That was my first hmm. thing. He put me in the coaching class. It's a one-year class. They met once a quarter. And so I got to meet all types of CFOs and controllers because you're all together for the year. And then he also had me working on, he has a full repository of articles that he's written for CFOs. It's called Wiki CFO. He had me write articles and white papers for the Wiki site and then was teaching me how to SEO the articles to be able to, so if someone searched it on Google, it would come up on the first page. And so that was kind of my first assignment with a strategic CFO. And so from there, I started to help them develop a process with retained search because they had a process in place. But again, I'm a networker. I talk to people a lot. And so I started helping with some of the retained search. For some reason that year, they got several. And so I started helping with that and then became the point person for retained search. And then from there, so this was in October when I started. So between October and December, I had already done four searches and placed four CFOs. But by that December, they got a construction client, a construction client, and the engagement was interim services. And so they wanted a CFO as well as a controller. So the CFO was assigned, the salesperson, and then I I was a controller. So I was there more than uh, the CFO because we tried to average out our billing rate and it was construction. So totally my background <laughs> and the company was more around, they build landfills. 
but it was still construction. So I was already up on work in progress and working with their bonding company. And so I just was able to bring forward all of my experience and work with them to help understand their projects, their accounting from a project perspective. And it was then the light went off and I said, this is exactly what I wanted to do. I was truly blessed to have that opportunity with Strategic CFO and just became what I realized was my thought around taking a step back because I really was trying to understand where I need to start. That really wasn't, that was me minimizing the experience and the accomplishments that I had already made. And so just realizing that, oh, I can take that and apply it here. So I had a construction client and then I had a retail client and then I moved into manufacturing. And so by the time, by the end of the day, I had five clients of my own. I had someone working with me for retained search because I no longer could get stay involved, but I had already set up a process for that, was still attending the coaching classes. And so the best way they were able to use me was to make sure that all the other consultants that were a part of the company, that they were fully utilized. So I became the senior director in the consulting area to make sure that our consultants were fully utilized and that they were doing things on their engagement to be that advisor because a lot of them had the accounting background, but not necessarily the business background. So helping them understand you can't just report the news. You've really got to use that news and make sure you have that face time with the owner so that he can see the value and impact. So it it creates longevity in your engagement and you're not turning over clients over and over. So that was my role. How did you end up going from there to healthcare? (laughs) (laughs) So Genex Health was one of our clients at Strategic CFO. And I had a consultant on the engagement at the time and that didn't work out. And so the owner called me. And so I needed to understand the problem. So I, the owner was actually out of Detroit and the, the company was here in Houston. And so I had agreed to meet the owner here at their Houston location to talk about the problem that was going on. And so I decided that I would be a better use on the assignment. And so I became their consultant because they were, at the time, JEDEX Health was going through a transaction. They were actually being bought out. It was two owners. They were being bought out by a private equity firm, and they did not have a a CFO to help with that transaction. So it was supposed to be a short-term project. So I signed up for it and said, okay, I'll help you guys through the transaction. And so that's how I got to healthcare because all of it was my first client in healthcare. And for me, it was like, oh, I didn't see it as healthcare. I just saw it as a a project. And the project manager came out of me and said, I can help you through this. And by the end of February, we'll be 2015, we'll be done with this. And I'll be able to continue with the clients that I have. (laughs) And of course, you're still there. So did the transaction go through? Six years later, I'm still, it did. It went through. And right before the end of it, the owner asked me to stay. And I thought, there's no way I could stay. I could help you find someone. But I have five clients and anticipated staying and I can't leave my job. I'm not just, you know, one of the consultants. I'm actually a director. And I had all these excuses of why I couldn't leave. And by the third ask, 
it was like, wait a minute, okay, let me understand what I can be here and what the opportunity is. Because one of my hesitations was, like I said, I have five clients in five different industries and they were more, Genex Health was a smooth running company. They didn't have any issues. They were growing. It was just well-maintained. And I like challenges. I like movement. I like. I just didn't, I just thought this was would not be fulfilling for me because I was just used to being able to, to critically think about things and help solve problems and add value and move forward. And I just didn't see this as that type of business. As healthcare is just it's a really healthy industry and, you know, there's longevity and they have recurring revenue. It was just, I just didn't think that it would be jazzy enough for me. That's why I said no. But then the owner explained to me and promised me that I would not be bored. And so I started thinking about it and started thinking about the direction of my career and kind of where I wanted to settle. We have four children. Two of them were here with us in Houston. And so I was just trying to think about all those things. And so Jetix Health started to look like the viable option. And so I I joined uh, Jetix Health in June of of 2015. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm curious, if you think about what you do now as the CFO mm-hmm. of JetXL, do you see any benefit or any continuing benefit from your background as an engineer or your background being self-employed? Do you look back on some things you do now and some skills you have now and say, you know, that's where I got that? <laughs> oh, gosh, yes. You know, what? so what's the beautiful thing about being able to reflect, you know, having the time to reflect back is being able to identify what is similar and and how do you bring the challenges that you've overcome and experienced forward. And so the first year that I was at JetX Health, so I joined JetX Health in 2015, June of 2015. By the end of that year, we had done six acquisitions, which is oh. a lot. And when I think about having to do all of that. And when the owner said I would not be bored, he made good on his promise. Let me just say, (laughs) he has made good on that promise. But having to think about those acquisitions as projects, because they really were. Every transaction was a different project with different milestones, different stakeholders, different timelines. And so in order to be able to do that, I had to bring forward my project management hat. And then Mm -hmm. as today I am, and I've always been a partner with the executive team. It's four of us now on the executive team, but at that time it was only three of us. It was the CEO, the, the president, and myself. And so we are all entrepreneurs at heart. And so being able to have that balance between taking a risk, but also having a CFO that can partner with you and look at the company's business initiatives and strategies, but also bring forward what is our financial position and then how does that affect our margins going forward and being able to have all of that and my entrepreneurship background and then my my background in finance and everything that I did at Strategic CFO. I had to build a team here at JetX Health. I had a controller and two accountants and then HR. I had one person in HR at the time when I came. And so I had to build a team as we started to grow. And so my interviewing skills that I was able to horn in on from strategic CFO of being 
over retained search. I had to use all of that here. And then from engineering, just critically thinking about things. There's always a problem to solve because where there's growth, there's challenges. And so being able to critically think about solutions is something that I brought forth from being an electrical engineer. So I think everything that I've done, now it makes sense. When I'm doing something, I'm like, now that makes sense why I had to go through that. And now that makes sense why. So it's more like the application. During the time, I really didn't know. I just felt like I got to get through this. You know, (laughs) I got to get to the next step. But it feels like school. It feels like my first career was school for the application today. And so that's why I'm enjoying this because it's all making sense now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, I have three questions I end every show with, and and I want to be respectful of your time, of course. And one more thing before we get to that. We do have several or a lot of non-traditional students, so to speak, that listen to the show. You know, they were going to school later in life or they've done something earlier and they're changing paths, that kind of thing. And and obviously you did that. What advice Mm -hmm. would you have for someone that's looking to make a career change into accounting? Any pointers or or maybe (laughs) any pitfalls to avoid? Anything like that? I would say understand your why. Why are you wanting to go into accounting? Because that was one of the questions I asked and answered for myself. And being that I asked and answered that for myself, I was intentional about my moves when I got into the career of accounting. And so it just, you know, as a second career, I don't want to say you don't have a lot of time, but you really do want to be intentional about the decisions that you make as it being a second career. And so stepping back to understand, okay, why do I want to do this? Because even when the challenges come up, you can fall back on your why. And so it, that just helps motivate you and push you. But I would say the first thing is to ask yourself, okay, this, I'm going into a second career. I'm going to choose accounting. Why am I choosing accounting? So that you can be very intentional about your decisions going forward. That makes sense. Sure. Yeah. And what I would say about not doing is don't close yourself off. Don't think that you can't bring forward or don't disregard what you did prior to this decision making and change because you can, there's always likeness in the things that you're doing. And so I would focus more on how is this like what I was doing versus the differences? Because the differences will show up, but the likenesses will motivate you to keep going. Hmm. That's great advice. That's great Mm -hmm. advice. Well, I do end the show with the the same three questions. So I probably better get to those. From a career perspective, what's been your proudest moment? Mark, one of the things I have not done a great job of doing is just celebrating victories. I'm a check a box kind of person. I like to make a checklist. I like to check the box. And sometimes in checking the box, you don't take time to reflect on all that you've accomplished. You just go to the next box. And so I was named in 2019, I was named one of the top 30 most influential women in Houston. And being named that and in doing so, you had to talk about yourself and the things you've accomplished and the things that you've done and community involvement and build those things. And so I was able to take a minute to reflect. And so getting up on that stage and receiving the award, 
it made me realize that I have done a lot of things. And so I was proud of myself. So that was a very proud moment for me. Yes. You know, sometimes you do just have to pause and look back and yes. realize, you know, how fortunate you have been. <laughs> I'm yes. a the box kind of person. Too, yes. So I, <laughs> I understand. That's funny. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, second request, um, question, so to speak, really more of a request. Tell us about the lesson that you learned the hard way. And the more you can tell us about the situation, the better, because that's how we learn from these. Yeah. So one of the things I vowed to myself when I was doing the business, it didn't end well for me. G&G didn't end well. I felt like, like I had failed. I really did because I wanted to pass the company on as legacy for my children. And it just didn't end well for me from what I thought. And so I had vowed that I would never go into business and have a partner. And, you know, I just, I was like, no, I'll just, I won't do that again. And one thing that I understand about vowing something to yourself is every decision that you make from that moment on is around that vow. And so you close yourself off to opportunity. And so thankfully, the owner at Strategic CFO, every time I would say it, he would say, stop saying that. Don't say that. And he would positive refocus me and say, a challenge What it should do is prepare you for the next tsunami because you know the tsunami is coming, but you should should feel a little bit more prepared, especially if you live to tell the story is what he would say. And so what I said to myself after that experience, because now I'm an owner of JetX Health. And so if I had just continued with that vow about what I I just, I'm not going to do that because it didn't end well for me, then I closed myself up for opportunity. So... That would be mm-hmm. something I would tell folks. Don't vow. Don't vow something to yourself. Just stay open for opportunity. That makes sense. Sure, sure. Yeah, because not everything is the same. <laughs> no, not at yeah. all. Yes. And in fact, you're not the same the second time. No, <laughs> not, not at all. Not at all. Yeah. Well, last question, and then we'll mm-hmm. go ahead and close it down. And you may have just told me this. I'm not sure. But what's the best piece of advice that you've ever received? To always do your best. Always do your best. Yeah. Because I read it out of a book. And I can say that nine times out of 10, just out of all the things that I've said and just I've won or accolades that I've gotten, it's always been around. I showed up and I did my best. And really, that's what gave me the next opportunity. It wasn't about graduating from Georgia Tech. It wasn't about being the first black electrical engineer that England and Stubb had hired in their 43 years of business. It wasn't about serving on the board. Of It was always around showing up. I did my best and folks recognized that I did that. And even me, I check in being sad. I have satisfied myself that I have done my best. And so that's the best advice that I can give. And I tell my team, always do your best. If you want to move to the next level, do your best. The right folks will recognize that and the door of opportunity will open for you. I believe that. Well, thank you so much for joining us for the show. I love your story because there's so much variety in it. You know, every position Mm. is a little different, if not a lot different, but each one builds on the previous. (laughs) It does. 
It this does. Is amazing story of progression. Amazing, amazing. Thank you, Mark. Thank, Thank you, you so for much. the opportunity. Thank you for the opportunity. This was a pleasure. No problem. Well, that was my interview with Michelle Garrison in Houston, Texas. And a couple things I take away from this interview. First of all, this is a little different than the individuals that we've interviewed that started down the route on one major and then changed majors in college. Because Michelle, there again, is a second career accountant. She went all the way through with electrical engineering and actually had quite the successful career in electrical engineering as well, and just decided that her passions lay elsewhere, and it was time to make a change at that point in her life. And I love how that success and that knowledge, that experience that she got while she was in electrical engineering still benefits her today. I mean, she's, she's won a different direction, of course, but that experience still benefits her today in the finance and accounting world. And then secondly, she didn't say it this way. This is me saying it this way. But basically, when she was talking about that hard lesson at the end, she was saying never say never. Even though she had had a difficult situation with the closing down of her company, her, her electrical contracting company earlier, and she vowed to herself that she was never going to do it that way again. She realizes now that every situation is unique and every situation is a little different. And I've heard it said, never say never. And, and I think that's what she was getting at. I really appreciate her sharing that story with us because I think all of us can learn a little something from that. Well, thank you again for joining us for another episode of Where Accountants Go, the Accounting Careers Podcast. We'll be back next week with another interesting guest for you to learn from as they discuss their career path. Until then, we'll see you soon. After all, this is Where Accountants Go. Where Accountants Go.